0: You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With us again this week, second time joining us on the podcast, is fellow editor of RedLegNation.com, Chris Garber. How are you doing, Chris? Good, Chad. Good, good. Uh, Well, we're actually taking time out of the game tonight to uh, bring a quick podcast to you. Um, See that uh, Arroyo's doing okay tonight, um, but our our buddy Edwin Encarnacion's thrown one away. It's his first error of the night.
1: Well, Edwin, it was kind of only a matter of time. I'd, (laughs) I'd like to think he's gotten a handle on some of his defensive issues, but... That may be the kind of thing that plagues him. I didn't see the play. Chad, was it another uh, when everyone has time to think? everyone does bad things. Situation. Of,
0: of course, of course. Okay. Yeah, I just I don't know. You know, you watch the guy play, and sometimes you you think you're looking at the best defensive third baseman in the league, and then sometimes he throws one into the sixth row, and you're, you know, you think let's get that guy in left field or, or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, he can really do some special things, but uh, I, I don't know. I just it it just has to be some kind of a mental block he's got there. But you think uh, after this many years in the big leagues and all the different coaches he's had, he somebody would have hit on a solution to it. So maybe something that we just have to live with that one. And, you know, the the good plays and the good hitting will hopefully outweigh some of it. But he's going to be the kind of player he is.
0: Yeah, yeah one uh, good good note, I guess, here is that Willie Tavares took another walk tonight. He's, you know, his on-base percentage is now at least over three i I'm not sure what it is as of this second, but I guess we keep our fingers crossed on
1: that. Yeah, I'll I'll um, admit, and, you know, it's only a weekend, but I'll admit to being pleasantly surprised with the patience that uh, that Willie and and Brandon Phillips, uh, especially, have shown so far this season. I did not expect it, especially the way Brandon talked in the off season, but uh, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Brandon had that dumb quote we we talked about ad nauseum uh, over the uh, during the spring about. Uh, he didn't hear anything about on-base percentage, basically, and and he's come out this first week, week and a half, and really looked patient. Uh, he's not been uh, chasing as many balls. Maybe someone's gotten through to him that look, uh, you know, if you're want, you had a, a sort of a down year last year, wasn't as good as the year before. Uh, pitchers aren't going to pitch to you in the major leagues if they know you're going to swing at anything. Maybe somebody's finally gotten through to him. I guess we can keep our fingers crossed. But so far, so good this year.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking about this this morning, and I'm trying to think if it's something Brandon has. Has done, and uh, you know, not many games have been on TV here in Columbus, so I don't know if he's showing a great eye or pitchers are are pitching around him, and uh, I don't know what that means. I guess that says something about Jay Bruce if they're pitching around Brandon, but either way, he's not making outs. He's getting on base, and and that's how he's really going to be a valuable player for the Reds on the offensive side, is if he gets on base more than you know, 320 on-base percentage, which I think he had last
0: year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. If he can get on base, he, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, we've talked about him being sort of an overrated player offensively, good defensive player, um, but if he can uh, get on base at a little bit better clip, he still doesn't need to be back cleanup. but, yeah, he absolutely uh, gives something to this lineup that they need. Uh, hopefully you'd think that hitting in front of uh, Bruce and Encarnacion would um, give them some more opportunities to, to knock him in. Encarnacion's another one. He's actually leading the team in walks. This year so far. He's been very patient and, and it looks like his swing's starting to come around. He just hit a blast last night uh, for that grand slam. So, you know, fingers crossed, I guess, is the only way to put that.
1: Yeah, it, I, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Edwin, kind of what player he's going to be. As, as a lot of people have said, it's, you know, we've been saying, well, this will be the year he's still young. We've been saying that for three years now, and it probably is time for Edwin. This is his age 26 season. It's about time for him to to make the leap, or, or he's not going to, probably, so um, he, he's still, a, you know, he can still be a really good player, just like he was two years ago, but uh, he may be, he may turn into the next level, and he may turn into be one of those guys that, that I guess, what I think we do sometimes is we, we tend to focus on what a player can't do, and, uh, you know, Adam Dunn's a textbook example, of course, but there are a lot of guys who, you know, can do some things really well, and, and we tend to obsess on the things they can't do. Even Brandon Phillips is a guy who he runs well, he fields well, he hits for power for a second baseman. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't get on base, he doesn't get on base. That's a, a big problem, but it doesn't mean he's a worthless player.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and uh, just to point to what you were just uh, saying, I think at the end of this season, we've talked before about maybe, you know, the Reds uh, may think about moving Edwin. Well, I think by the end of this season that uh, we'll really know what we have on our hands. With Edwin and Carnacion, this is this is the year for him to either really shine or when you guys start thinking, well, you know, he's maybe not going to be the player we all hoped, uh, if not expected, him to be. So I, I think you're right on the money there, and I think the Reds will have a big decision to make at the end of this year, and how Edwin performs this year will uh, really uh, determine whether or not he's got a future with this organization or whether they try to move him for uh, something because they've got a lot of a lot of parts getting ready to hit the major league level that could uh, fill that third base position.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's got to be the one position they're the deepest is third base. Uh, you know, it's a lot of different options, and, and they got enough guys that one of those guys presumably is going to pan out. So,
0: yeah, you'd think so when you talk about uh, Todd Frazier, who's just crushing the ball so far this year um, down in the minors, and then Chris Valaika, and you just got a lot of guys that could could probably handle that position. That uh, Encarnacion, um, I've said before, he's my favorite red now that uh, Dunn's gone, but he's going to have to he's going to have to prove that uh, they should uh, devote third base to him for the next few years
1: yeah yeah i think you're right i think this is a year for him to, to put up or shut up i
0: guess yeah we'll see um i'm hopeful that he'll do well and he's so far so good um and, and you know so far so good defensively until tonight as well I, i've been really hoping to make a big sort of push forward uh defensively um now i know you said you're not getting too many uh Reds games there in, in Columbus. you get getting a lot of uh, LeBron James, I bet, though, aren't you?
1: We get a lot of LeBron James. We got a lot of Blue Jackets. All right, yeah. Um, the Indians have their own channel, but the Reds have to share the Fox Sports uh, affiliate here with with the, the uh, Blue Jackets and the Cavs. So right. at least for the next week or two, uh, maybe a little limited on what we get to see.
0: Yeah, with the Blue Jackets and the Cavs both playing so well, too, that doesn't uh, – a lot of excitement there, I guess, for those. You're not going to get too much Reds for a little bit, but – um, but I know you've been following it, and, and what do you think about Aaron Harang's performance there uh, a couple days ago, the Sunday against the Pirates? Complete game shutout, three hits, nine strikeouts, didn't walk a batter. Vintage Harang, huh?
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Harang's, he was dominant, and Harang is the guy who probably has gotten less credit for what he's actually done for the Reds than, than anybody I can really think of. Um, and he's just when he's on, he's an exceptional pitcher, and, you know, I don't know how many people, he's probably the best pitcher nobody knows about, Just, you know, for a guy who's had four good seasons as, as good as he's had, uh, you know, if that's if he's back, this club actually may have a chance, Now I think, you know, you're worried about Edwin Volquez and, and Johnny Cueto's still young, and Arroyo is going to be erratic, probably, so, but if, if Haran can go out there and, and Throughout dominant performances every other time, they're going to have a decent shot at at least being in contention in this division.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what uh, you know, I, I almost take it personally. I feel bad for the guy, and he probably doesn't feel like this, but um, it, it bothers me that Bronson Arroyo has made an All Star team, and Aaron Harang never has. Now, I like Bronson Arroyo. I think uh, for what he gives the Reds, um, you know, I like having him around. Uh, he's an innings eater uh, at this point, probably a league average pitcher, and there's value in that. But Harang has had, uh, you know, several years. Uh, you know, obviously the year where he led the league in wins and in strikeouts and didn't get a single All Star vote uh, comes to mind, or single uh, excuse me, Cy Young vote comes to mind. But uh, it just, uh, I hate that he's not gotten that recognition because the way you described it is the exact way to describe it. the best pitcher nobody's heard of, basically, or nobody realizes is an elite pitcher. And I'm really starting, after that starts Sunday, it looks like he might be back uh, to that level. I'm really hopeful that he can do that.
1: Yeah, you know, that's interesting, Chad. I didn't even realize that Harangue never made an all-star game. I mean, with with you, I think if you went back and looked at, at all-star appearances for starting pitchers, I think you'll find a lot of goofiness. I think outside of, of Nolan Ryan and maybe a couple of other really, really high-profile guys who, who might have made it or guys who pitched for really bad teams but who were exceptional pitchers, it seems like the, the starting pitching spots on an All-Star team really go to whoever's had the best 15 starts that season.
0: Jack Arm Jack Armstrong uh, comes. Jack uh,
1: Armstrong, you know, Atley Hammock, or whoever it is right. that's got 12 wins to break, is going to make that team. Whether they were, you know, and with, with position players, even the reserves, you kind of it's kind of a career achievement thing. Right. Yeah. The fact that you're hitting, you know, 320 at the break, really, may, you may or may not make the team. But you know, with a starting pitcher, if you don't have 9, 10 wins and an ERA under three and a half, you're probably not going to make the club, no matter what. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. I, you know, I point to it just in the sense that he hasn't gotten much recognition anywhere. Um, but I do want to mention one thing. You just, uh, you just mentioned. I was actually getting ready to mention the same name. The other way. Um, I just read an article the other day. I don't, I don't even remember what the article was about, but it mentioned Nolan Ryan. And, you know, he only made like three or four all-star teams in his 70- – Oh, is
1: that right? I guess I'm completely wrong. There. Yeah, in his
0: 75-year career. It really surprised me. You <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. Uh, that's
1: interesting. I would have thought it had been totally the opposite. I mean, I know there's no fan vote, but but Nolan Ryan was a really good pitcher on some really bad teams for a while. Right, I would yeah. I thought that he would have been the default choice.
0: It, it blew me away. Uh, I really was surprised by that. And But that goes back to what you're saying. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. Starting pitcher. that's not a good gauge necessarily for starting pitchers in terms of uh, popularity um but it is it is a sense that uh, he's not gotten the recognition that we feel like he deserves and i think there are a lot yeah. of people that uh, that inside baseball that know what a great uh, player he is but uh, maybe this will be the year who knows
1: yeah i mean well you know and, and you are you're really right on about the cy young voting i mean that's kind of a, a kind of a joke really that he hasn't gotten any more recognition than he has
0: yeah definitely he uh but you know the big problem is going to be whether he can get any run support because you know he's uh, got an era of 0.64 now on, after two starts but he's one and one, you know, so.
1: Yeah. What, what have they scored? Uh, they scored, uh, five runs in the two games and, and I think two or three of them weren't when he was in the game anyway.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, uh, poor guy can't get a break, uh, even from his own uh, teammates, but, but it just, you know, watching him Sunday, it was, he was hitting his spots. He was efficient. He was striking guys out. Um, just. It's the, the harangue we'd all come to know and love. He just wasn't right last year, so it's good to see him back. And he's he's funny, you know, to see if you've seen the pictures, obviously, but, you know, he's trimmed down. He looks a little bit different. Uh, so um, but we'll see. The other side of that coin is Edinson Volquez, and he's had, uh, you know, sort of a rough start so far. And um, I guess, obviously, it's a small sample size. We always say, do we do not want to get too worried yet? But after two starts, he has a 9.64 ERA. Now, let me just contrast it before you jump in here. He has a 9.64 ERA. Aaron Harang has a 0.64 ERA, and they're both one and one
1: right now. So that's, that's why we don't look at wins and losses. Right? Exactly.
0: So, what do you think about yeah. Volquez?
1: Well, you know, and, and I wanted to look at this earlier, but I didn't get a chance to. I really, I'm curious to, if you took Volquez's last whatever many starts, fifteen or or sixteen or however many from the end of last season, cherry pick the numbers if you want. But you know, after after the All-Star break and counting these two starts, I'm not sure how good a pitcher he's really been. I don't think it's just a slow start. I mean, I think he had a kind of – maybe it was a reversion to the mean last year, but he's starting to pile up some, some not-so-great starts here in a, in, a, in a bunch. So, you know, I think he's still a talented pitcher. He, that change-up's for real. I don't – you know, that's that's not going to go away. So I, I think he's still got the, the ability to be a pretty effective pitcher, but I don't know that we're going to have – as we thought last year, two
0: aces or three aces. Right. Well, you mentioned the changeup, and I think that's why maybe people are uh, willing to give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt because you watch this guy, and he's got that uh, fastball that pops. He's got that changeup that just, you know, everybody drools over. Uh, but the, the league may have. You're right. You know, the league may have started to figure him out in the later part of last year um, and on into this year. So it'll be up to him. I, there was a quote from Dick Pole in the inquire this morning that you know the league's adjusted to him a little bit it's going to be that what's going to determine it that'd be the determining factor here is whether he can adjust back is the way he put it uh, uh, to the hitters so he's young still um, he's got he has the stuff so uh, maybe that's up to dick Paul.
1: yeah yeah I mean this isn't you know this isn't David Weathers or Danny Herrera getting pounded around where you think well you know they've they've lost it and that's that because they don't have that greatest stuff I mean volquez has the stuff and you're right it's about making adjustments I mean that's it's one of the baseball, you know, conventional wisdom, cliche, whatever you have it. It's true. Um, that's what it's about. They make adjustments back and forth, and whoever can do that the, the best and most consistently usually has the better results. You,
0: you didn't just mention David Weathers, did you? I,
1: well, I thought I'd do it for you. Oh,
0: come on. You had
1: a nice <laughs> conversation, and, and you hadn't, hadn't heard
0: about Weathers in a little while. Well, oh, the Reds are back to 500. You know, they're leading right now, chance to get over 500. I'm feeling good about uh, things, and... You go and drop David Weathers on me. You
1: know, uh, you you ought to just take it as a blessing because he hasn't been that bad yet this year. So I now, guess that means it's still to come.
0: Well, maybe, but or maybe not. He, you're right. He hasn't allowed a run yet this year. Um, and his first two outings were pretty doggone good. Now, yet yesterday, the first game of the series against the Brewers, he scared me to death. He allowed a couple runners on, and but he got out of it. Uh, so that's like sort of like a David Weathers, a classic David Weathers hole, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know. I, while we're on the subject of the bullpen, they've been remarkably good this year. And the guy that's really surprised me with how dominant – and I know you've not got a chance to maybe see him much yet, but uh, you can see his numbers and you follow what's going on. Four outings so far. Arthur Rhodes has looked like uh, you know, a young Arthur Rhodes, I guess.
1: Oh, you know, I did see him a little bit on opening day, and he just dusted the mess down. I mean, it like it was nothing. He looked great, right. and I assume he looked that good every time. I don't know what it is with Arthur Rhodes – how he's doing that what he's if he's doing anything differently or if it's just a small sample size but uh he's got that really deceptive motion now that i don't remember him when he was a younger pitcher having that little hitch in his in his uh motion but yeah he's getting the job done
0: yeah and you know so far obviously we don't want to get too uh nervous about the guys that aren't performing too well yet and you don't want to get too high on some of these guys that uh, you know, Rhodes had a pretty good year last year, but there was a limited number of innings, and the year before that he wasn't very good. So, But he he looks good uh, to the eye so far, I agree. How was opening day, by the way? I know you got to uh, – was that your first opening day this that was year?
1: my first opening day, and uh, I'm glad I went. Um, it's not yeah, – under any other circumstances, I wouldn't have wanted to sit in a ballgame for four hours in the rain and 39 degrees, but it didn't feel that bad. The wind wasn't blowing, so it wasn't that cold. Um, you know, speaking of harangue, he he did not look good at all no. that day. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, he was. I think he had two strikeouts. He threw 110 pitches through what five or six innings, and just all over the place. Didn't look like he could. It didn't look like he was he was comfortable ever out oh. there. And I think he, the results were good, but I don't know that the performance was really that good.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, he was again. That uh, I was starting to worry a little bit. Oh no, he looks kind of like he did last year. Um, and then of course he comes out, uh, Sunday when it's a little bit warmer and, uh, looks a lot better. It looked awful cold. I know you said the wind wasn't too bad and it wasn't too awfully cold there, but it looked awfully cold on TV. My living room was pretty warm uh, on opening day.
1: Yeah, yeah, I imagine. We, you know, I mean, it's not often that I go to a baseball game wearing long underwear and jeans <laughs> right. and four shirts and a raincoat, so.
0: Well, I've mentioned it, uh, you know, several times on the blog and, uh, a couple times probably on the podcast that, um, I've been to, I guess, six opening days now. This was the first year, first time in the last six years that I haven't gone, but, um, you know, we always encourage people, look, yeah, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's even snowing, sometimes it's nasty. I've been there when it's 75 degrees, but it's something I, f- I feel like every Reds fan ought to uh, go and just experience at, at least once. It's a, it's an, it's an experience. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it was cool. I mean, it was definitely the, the, the most interesting atmosphere and the, and the most special atmosphere at least since the 95 playoff game I went to against the Dodgers.
0: Right. Well, you so, you went to a Reds playoff game? You're that old?
1: I've, I've been to two. <laughs> oh, I wow. To, uh, a, a two, 1990 LCS game, and uh, I, think I went to a Dodgers game in 95, and I may have even gone to one of that Brave games where where we got killed and Javi Lopez hit that home run. I think I was at that game. All right. Try to black it out, though.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, you should try to remember everything you could because we may never get to experience that again.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah uh, exactly. But I, I didn't realize you went to a uh, one of the LCS games in 1990 against uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, that's a Pittsburgh. That's you were sort of a younger guy then, probably high
1: school yeah, I, was, then, I was a senior in high school, yeah. and we had um, it was a Friday afternoon. We didn't have any uh, didn't have school that day for conferences or one of those things. And it so happens that Marge Shot had announced that day, or the Reds had announced that, that there were a few hundred tickets that went on sale the day of the game. And the story was, the official story was that they had come back from the, the Major League Baseball allotment. The unofficial story was that Marge had held them back to kind of do a number on the scalpers. Well, regardless, I went down there with my uncle and his girlfriend. We showed up at about 7 o'clock at the stadium Ended up getting the about the ninth row by, right behind third base for Sweet. base value, which at the time was 30 bucks.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: So, yeah, it was pretty great. You know, it was the game where uh, where Paul O'Neill threw Andy Van Slyke out at third ah. base when he was trying to tag. For
0: some reason, I probably thought that's what you were going to talk about, because that's probably the most memorable play in that series uh, that year. That and uh, Glenn Bragg's making that catch uh, over the fence there yeah. in that series. yeah. That
1: that throw, Neil's throw basically came straight at us. Yeah. behind the third baseline.
0: That's fantastic. Um, ah, good times. Those were the old days, seems like.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, you know, they came out and the, the nasty boys came out and finished the eighth and the ninth. I mean, it was a, it was a heck of, that was the loudest I think,
0: maybe any sporting event I've ever been to. Really? yeah that's uh that's interesting and then of course you know just uh in the playoffs again in ninety five and you know had some decent teams up until that time and never would have guessed It's see ninety five i was um well i guess october ninety five that was great right, i was starting my last year of of college and I thought man you know the Reds have had some success there's no way it'll be two thousand and nine and uh I would have been married ten years and haven't been back to the playoffs since yeah yeah
1: you wouldn't think so would you i mean you see think about it this way it's been ten years since the the One game playoff against
0: the Mets. Right, yeah, that's like the highlight uh, of the decade, and that it has been full ten years ago. It's gosh, it's impossible to believe. Um, You know, it's funny. I had, and I, you know, coming up on my tenth anniversary is the reason I was thinking about this, and um, I'm sure my wife will be really pleased. I'm talking about our marriage uh, on the podcast here. but uh, but not too long after we'd gotten married, you know, um, the Reds uh, traded for junior griffey and i just you know i thought boy you know this, things are looking up you know uh, and uh oh well here we are 2009 yeah.
1: a lost uh, decade i guess at least for the reds
0: lost decade but hopefully we got a pretty good one uh coming up in the next uh for the next decade i don't know um a couple more items before we i don't know if i can want to quit reminiscing about the good old days though. It's, yeah. it was fun to win wasn't it yeah it was uh, I barely remember it. Um, Francisco Cordero, you know, you and I were sort of on the same page, I think, when he was signed. Uh, you know, good pitcher, you know, um, quality closure, a lot of money for a team like the Reds to spend on a, on a pitcher like that when they could, uh, maybe use that, those resources a little more wisely. But, um, we were all worried about him, uh, not to discuss the, the contract issues. We've beaten that to death, but we were all worried about him in spring training and he has, Looked uh, since the season started, he's pitched three games, uh, got a couple of saves, but it's, it's not just that he's gotten the saves. He has been lights out. I mean, he's really been dominant so far. Um, and you know, did you expect that after after what we've been seeing, or
1: what's yeah, your feeling? You no, know, it's so hard to say. I mean, closers are when they oh, you know go back to when they signed him. I, I thought he is. You know, he's maybe not the elite elite of closers, but he's definitely an upper tier, a legitimate guy. He's not a a Jeff Shaw guy who's going to be a top-level closer for a year and a half, and then fade back into obscurity. He, I thought he was a legitimate, legitimate, you know, major league closer. So I did kind of expect. That's what I expect from him is is to be pretty dominant when he does pitch. The spring training performance, it didn't really bother me that much because I think especially for relievers, they're they're not in the same role. They're not ever pitching the same inning, the same situation, the same stakes that they have. And I think for for the closers, especially, they need that adrenaline. So, yeah, you know, I wasn't—I don't like to see him have a, a bad spring, but uh, it, it, at the same time, I, I wasn't real worried.
0: Well, the numbers didn't bother me, ex- except in so uh, much as it made me wonder about—you know—he had that injury at the end of last season and whether he was fully recovered. And you know, I was worried that he might not be ready to answer the opening bell, just injury-wise, because um, clearly, when he's healthy, he's a—he's a pretty good. Pitcher, uh, he hit ninety-seven on the gun uh, uh, at least a couple times last night that I noticed. So he was he was firing. He looked looked really good. Uh, if that had been for an error by Willie Tavares, you know, um it would have been a perfect inning, really. So,
1: well, you know that's the thing. I, I think we've got we've kind of got the pitching. We may have the havoc, but I'm not sure the defense is going to be there.
0: Oh, lots of havoc! Come on, you you tell me you don't love the havoc.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like going to the circus, I guess.
0: Really. <laughs> There's quite a bit about the Reds offense you could compare to the circus, certainly.
1: Yeah, it's entertaining, but I'm not so sure it's uh, it's
0: art. Right, exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, if you uh, combine some of that havoc, like uh, with, if Tavares keeps getting on base uh, at a good clip and he still wants to steal his bases if he steals them at the rate he stole last year, I, you know that's not going to hurt the Reds, that kind of havoc. It's just stuff like when the Pirates turned that triple play the other day, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, triple steal or whatever they're trying to attempt here and uh, quadruple steal i don't know what they were doing but uh turned into a triple play that type of stuff it just gives up outs needlessly that's a, that's the havoc that we uh, don't like but you know if they wants to walk and steal his way to third bring it on
1: well that's the thing i mean i'm i'm all for you know if you want to go with the speed game you got to kind of take some chances but you got to be smart about it and i i think i don't want to blame it on any particular player but I don't think the Reds have been playing all that smart, and maybe I maybe they blame it on the manager. I don't know, but they've been more reckless than they have been uh, calculating in the risks.
0: They have been, and not- yeah. And I, I'm, you know, I think you do lay that at Dusty Baker's feet. But I've also been worried that he, for all the talk about how we're going to be fundamentally better and we're going to do the little things right uh, this year to compete, uh, they've not been doing that early on. Now, they've recovered from some of it, but that that worries me a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know that little things talk. I feel like every team in the history of baseball has had that article written about them every spring training. They're going to be doing the little things right this year. And but you're right with the, with this Reds team, they actually have to do it. I mean, they don't have Adam Dunn to bail them out of of a three run deficit, or uh, you know Ken Griffey a few years ago. I won't say he was a great threat last year, but right. They can't they can't nickel and dime their their into trouble or out of innings.
0: Well, uh, yeah, not well, not to interrupt you, but the way I look at it is their margin for error on the offensively is so slim because really, the, you know, this is not a team that's built to score a ton of runs. That they can't be giving up outs and they can't be doing foolish things on the base pass, things like that.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree, and that's, that. Was, you said it better than I I was trying to. And the interesting thing to me is the Reds have scored more runs so far this season than than I would have predicted. And I think the one reason they're doing that is they're walking more than I would have predicted. And the question is, is that something the Reds hitters are doing, or is this just early season wildness from the pitchers they've been facing?
0: Right. Small sample size, or...
1: Yeah, I mean, if this is really a skill, I mean, if this is a team that's going to get on base at, you know, a 320 clip for a team or something like that, and then uh, then steal bases and run around and and have decent pitching and have decent defense, well, then that's a whole different story. But if, uh, you know, you're talking about guys up there just hacking away and, and everybody, you know, your number three hitter having a 320 on base percentage, then you're not in very good shape.
0: Right, yeah. You know, you talk about if, uh, Will Tavares gets on base of the clip he did last year and, and Brandon Phillips gets on base of clip he li- did last year and a guy like Harrison, uh, you know, if he plays like the Harrison that we saw every year except last year, and some of these guys, you know, and Alex Gonzalez has never been much of an offensive threat. You know, you got, you know. You've a long season. It's going to be a long season, right. But yeah. yeah, if there, if there's a different team philosophy and, um, I'm, you know, I wonder whether that's the case. I hope so, but uh, Dusty's going to have to, I guess, earn that praise from me yeah. because yeah. of his, his uh, anti on base percentage, uh, comments in the past. So
1: yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I'd, I'd love to say I was wrong about it. If if that's how it turns out and they can score, you know, 660, runs this year doing it that way, great.
0: Yeah, there are different ways to win. Um, So, you know, I don't want to say the Reds can't win constructed like this, but uh, we'll stay hopeful uh, about that, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I don't know. I guess Joey Votto's kind of carrying them too a little bit.
0: Yeah, and, you know, he's he's still a young guy. It's a lot, it's a lot to put on a kid who coming off his rookie year you know to have to really carry an offensive load he's playing great so far and he's going to be a good player but man that's a lot to put on the shoulders of a kid uh, like that i don't know if he's um you know he's going to be a really good uh, player i don't know if he's ready to be sort of the straw that stirs the drink uh, in terms because he's still got some years to improve
1: he definitely does he, he's got an interesting way about him and it's I'm still not sure what that is. He, he doesn't look like anything affects him, really.
0: That's true. That's absolutely true.
1: And he may be one of those unique guys who can, you know, he just has such good focus on what he needs to focus on, doesn't doesn't care that he's, you know, the man, doesn't make any difference to him if he's a rookie in sixth or a in third the second year. Uh, you know, if that's the kind of, like, approach and makeup he's got, it's possible that he has it. Well, then, you know, maybe he's right there. Maybe he's not the same player as Albert Pujols, but that early in his career being that that central of right. the offense.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'm constantly looking for things to be positive about. And if That's another one. If you want to be sort of upbeat about something, you you watch Votto, and he, he looks like a 10-year veteran, and he conducts himself like a veteran. And there were some quotes from, uh, you know, for example, Jay Bruce, uh, that, you know, just watching Votto has made him work hard and realize what he has to do to be a better professional, um, he's a very interesting uh, young player in, in a lot of ways. going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Alex Gonzalez, any thoughts? Uh, you know, he has no hit so far to the uh, as of uh, as we go on the air tonight. In uh, uh, Paul Yannich started tonight, and in his first at bat, he got hit a double in the gap, and uh, so he has now exceeded Gonzalez's hit total for the year. Uh, what are we to expect out of Gonzalez? The guy's not played much. Uh, how,
1: is there any precedent for, for what he's done? I mean, he's missed so much time. He missed the whole season for, you know, he's had all kinds of different reasons, and, and they all are legitimate reasons that he's missed right. time. But, you know, he's also not a young guy. This isn't a 21-year-old guy who misses a season and a half and, and is right back at it. I mean, he's he's at the age where you lose a step, you're, you're done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his first season, Gonzalez ended up probably in, in an okay place production-wise. He... He got there in a different way than I thought. He it was all power and no, no average really but right. so he was a decent decent player there the first season. I I thought his defense was much uh less impressive than advertised. Definitely. I mean he was advertised when he came in as, as really they sold him as Ozzy Smith number two. Yeah. And I'd never seen it in his career and the one thing that, that the numbers said, and I thought that watching the games backed up, is he's really good at starting and turning double plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a great skill, except for the fact, you know, the Reds have really a strikeout and fly ball pitching staff, so that, that it wasn't quite the greatest fit. Really, right, but, yeah, the value of
0: that is a lesson with that type of staff, agreed.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, now he, he I, I don't know, the little bit I've seen this year, including opening day, I there was a play on opening day where he made a diving stop, and everyone on on online and on on the uh, the broadcast was all over And, and in person, that was a ball he should have picked up on his feet and been able to throw the guy out. So
0: I know the play you're talking know. about, and and when they showed the replay on television, you could tell it looked impressive, you know, in real time because you hear a hit and the guy's diving. But I know the exact play you're talking about. It was not as impressive uh, when they rewound the tape on that one.
1: You know, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get from him. I, 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 you know, you don't want to make a decision on a guy based on 15, 16 at bats. But at the same time, he just he didn't have much to play in spring training. And I don't know. I don't know. Do you let him play himself into a groove, or do you do you cut bait on him? I mean, it's not like we've got Barry Larkin in the system here ready to jump in.
0: Well, you hit on one of the names, and then the other point that I was going to make here with respect to Gonzalez, and and you said, you know, how do you know what to expect from him? And and the Two things I was going to I was gonna mention with that respect were, number one, um, you know, he's not a spring chicken. That's what you mentioned. He's, he's sort of an older guy now. It's not like he's 25 years old coming back from a year, year and a half or whatever it's been since he played regularly. But the second thing was even before he wasn't Barry Larkin, it wasn't like he was, you know, um, a stud shortstop even before that. So I, I'm i afraid that everyone's expecting a little too much out of him. And, and you know, obviously I, I don't think he'll hit zero for the year if he's played full time, but um, – you know, he, we may be maybe one of these cases where what you see is what you get. He's not; uh, his upside yeah, yeah, you, is all gone.
1: I think you convinced me. I, I think you're right. I mean, what's the sense in holding out and letting him play through till till you get to him being back to the player he is, which is a, a two fifty five, uh, you know, 320, 375 hitter? I mean, that's. That's like buying a whole bunch of lottery tickets to win fifty bucks. I mean, it's, <laughs> right? You, you may or may not be proven right, but you're not. The upside not that great, so yeah. But but you're right. Maybe it's better just to roll Yanish out there. You know, he's got the glove. He's probably not going to hit, and you throw him in the eighth spot and hope for the best.
0: Right. Well, I'm I'm not a fully paid member of the Paul Yanish fan club by any means, but um, <laughs> you know. <sighs> He's going to be steady defensively, whether Gonzalez will or not. Uh, that remains to be seen because there's no way he cannot have at least lost a step or so, uh, defensively. And if he's not going to hit, you know, well, might as well throw Yanis out there because I'm pretty sure yeah. he is going to play tough defense. I'd rather have somebody that can hit a little too, and, and we don't have that guy yet. Maybe, uh, you know, Adam Rosales, uh, you know, some people have mentioned his name, but I, I don't think he's an everyday shortstop on the major league level. Um,
1: it doesn't seem like. I mean, once they, when they move a guy from shortstop to first base and,
0: and AAA, It's not a good time. <laughs> Yeah. Well he had some arm issues there at one point which he evidently is over with, but yeah, that's not good to, that's not encouraging. You know, maybe I guess uh Frazier's still playing shortstop, Todd Frazier. Um there'd been talk that he might have to move off that position, but and maybe he can handle that position in the future. I don't know. Um this year Well
1: what about Chris Valleca? That's the one I really don't know about. I have never seen him play. I, I don't you know, he's still at shortstop and triple A, so I figure yeah. somebody believes he can do it.
0: Yeah, I've seen him play, and, you know, from just the limited time I've seen him, I'm, I'm impressed. He's not hitting very well so far this year, but, um, you know, uh, that's a guy that I'd like them to see if, uh, maybe by the end of the year this year, they'll get a chance to bring him up, give him a cup of coffee, and, and, uh, we'll know a little bit more by that time. Um, yeah, but you're right. There's no, there's no Barry Larkin in the, waiting in the wing, so, you know, I don't know what to do with respect to the Gonzalez issue either, but, I just, he just looks bad offensively and defensively right now, and um it's just hard to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I, you're right, I, again, there's no real upside, we're not going to, it's not going to get a whole lot better than this, it's obviously not going to be this bad, but it's not going to get a whole lot better than this, even in the best case scenario, so.
0: Right, um well, I um made a sort of a joking request on the game thread tonight to see if anybody had any questions they wanted to, uh or anything they wanted to just discuss on the podcast, and there were a couple of them, but one of them, uh, Y City Gym's asking us to talk about the Washington Nationals, and um, I just don't want to do that.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, you'd be the only one, because I have absolutely no idea what they've done so far this year.
0: Yeah, I don't, they've not won a game yet, as far as I know, and so there's not a whole lot to discuss, but... Uh, Is that right? Yeah, and, and they're actually purging themselves of ex-reds, uh, starting with Jim Bowden, obviously, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um
1: well, Start with the guys who run your indictment and move on from there. <laughs> that's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, who knows? Maybe maybe Bowden will be back in Cincinnati soon. Uh, oh, dare to dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs>
0: no. Um, well, it, know, I'm
1: not. As, I, it, the thing about Bowden is I'm not. You know, I'm not in, in the Marty Brenneman camp where I want to burn anything that he ever touched and right and, and and salt the earth that he walked on. I mean, he was. You know, I hate the saying, but he was what he was. He. He was an egomaniac who made some really good moves and some really stupid moves and pretty much wore out his welcome. But, you know, to pretend that he was the worst general manager in baseball history or the worst, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to the Reds, I think it's kind of silly. I,
0: I agree with that 100%. And I used to have this argument with, uh, I was really sort of anti Bowden at one time. And um, until I. You know, I was talking to some of my friends who were fans. One, one's a Yankees fan, one's a Red Sox fan. You know, from around the country, Braves fan, and they were all like, "Why do you, why do you hate that guy so bad?" I mean, he's not the best GM, but you know, he's no he's middle of the pack at least. You know, uh, he's got the Reds doing better than maybe they would with any anyone else. And so I started thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm too close to it. And um, so I sort of got out of that uh, Marty Bredeman camp on him. Uh, Marty's really, but Marty has a Marty enjoys getting bitter about people and really hammering on. Yeah. Him, yeah.
1: I always wonder how much of that's how much of that's real and how much is tongue-in cheek and and how much of it started out as tongue cheek and became real and
0: yeah I would and vice versa yeah uh, we still love the guy I love listening to Marty but until he starts you know hammering on his little pet issues you know <laughs> um, but uh, but he still calls the game better than anybody else well, but
1: the one that really got me and I never I never heard the origins of it I just heard it the last 45 minutes of the rant for some reason Marty hates Phil Mickelson
0: oh I missed that one
1: and I have no idea why. But he can't stand Phil Mickelson. I think it's I think it's fantastic that a, a you know, a small market baseball announcer has the self started vendetta against a, one of the two or three most famous golfers in the in the world. So I have no idea what's what it's about, but I find it very amusing.
0: And what does that have to do with Reds baseball? Who knows? Um
1: Well, if that was the criteria there'd not be very much going on in that broadcast.
0: There'd be a lot of Joe Knox all dead air in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, well, did you watch the Masters just before we sign off here?
1: Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched all but the playoff. I had. I was in Chicago uh, for Easter, and then I had to go to the airport, so I missed the the playoff. But I watched pretty much all the rest of the final round.
0: Well, the playoff was fun, but the the whole day was just the, golly. That was just a classic day of golf. Um, you know, Tiger and Fields duel, fighting all the way back, and then uh, Kenny Perry ended up blowing it. But I had a good time watching that. It was fun.
1: Yeah, I did too. I mean, I felt like everyone, it was one of those things where the, it reminded me of the Reds opening day where the ball fell in between everybody three or four times. I felt like no, everybody was in a position to win that thing, and then at the last second, everybody backed away.
0: Right, nobody wanted it. So
1: Cabrera ended up with a green jacket.
0: Yeah, he, he completely backed into it. Uh, you know, the guy hits it into the woods on his first shot of the playoff. Second shot, hits it off a tree, and it bounces back out in the fairway, and then goes on to win the Masters. I'll never figure out how he did that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't think you'd
0: get away with that. But. No. I can't get away with that. That's exactly how I play. <laughs>
1: well, that's what I told my wife when Tiger hit that tree dead on. I said, oh, I've
0: done that. Yeah, when he was trying to hit it between the there, and I said, gosh, he's he's mortal. I can't believe
1: it. Yeah. yeah, I do that three or four times around.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, well, Chris, I appreciate you taking some time for us on the podcast uh, here today. We'll get you on some more later. Hopefully the Cavs will finish uh, winning the world championship, and the Blue Jackets will bow out of the Stanley Cup playoffs at some point. Um,
1: well, yeah, I think I think the playoff games will be uh on whatever the league networks are. So, I think Fox Sports may be clearing up.
0: Yeah, good deal. So, you'll get the we won't have to endure Marty as much. Be able to watch a, you get to watch George Grant. That'd be good.
1: Yeah, it uh, looks like George didn't make the trip to, to Mo- Milwaukee. I see uh Chris Welsh is is uh clean-shaven.
0: Yeah, Chris and Tom on the broadcast and I'm really just am uh, I'm I'm shedding a tear. I'm crying. You're a solitary tear going down my face cuz George Grant is not there today.
1: Yeah, George
0: is the nicest man in baseball. He is. He's a fantastic guy and he's a guy I'd like to, you know, you'd love to talk to him, but, uh, bless his heart. Uh, well, we'll leave it, at, yeah. we'll leave it at that.
1: I think that's perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on and, uh, we'll check in with you again sometime.
1: All right. Thanks, Chad.
0: Anytime. Sure. Thanks, Abad. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you got any comments or suggestions or concerns, send it to radio at redlegnation.com. If you got any criticisms again, Send those to Chris at RedLegNation.com. If you haven't already, go subscribe via iTunes. And uh, thanks again once again to all of you out there in the nation. This is Chad Dotson for Chris Garber saying so long. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.